Welcome to the Antioch Sheffield podcast. We are so glad that you can join us for today's message, which is brought to you by Pastor Todd Roberts. For more information about Antioch Sheffield, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk. The scripture for today is 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 to 11. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So, dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Great. Well, good morning, everybody. Can you all hear me? All right. Great. Well, today I am going to be continuing our series on 2 Peter that is called uh, Standing Firm, which is looking at what this little book can teach us about how to stand firm in our faith in the midst of difficult times. And today, what I want to talk to you about is something that I'm calling spiritual momentum. It's maybe something you've never thought about before, but I believe our spiritual lives either have positive or negative momentum. There's no neutral ground. You know, it's like the tides. They're either coming in or they're going out. You know, slack water doesn't last for long. And it's the same in our relationship with God. You know, we are either growing in our love for God or we're drifting away from him. So today, what I want to talk about is how we can develop a positive spiritual momentum in our lives. And as I was thinking about this, I was, I remembered an occasion when our daughter, Wesley, got introduced to the power of momentum. Um, when she was little, one of her favorite things to do as a toddler was to ride around on a little plastic scooter. And Wesley, you know, she's always been adventurous. So we had to keep an eye on her whenever she was on her scooter to make sure that she didn't go off on her own little adventure, especially since we were living by a busy road. And so one day, you know, we were out in front of our house and Wesley was scooting around on her scooter. And predictably, I think I got distracted by something. And when I turned around, I had one of those terrifying moments as a parent when you see something dangerous about to happen, but it's too late to stop it. And what happened is Wesley had managed to catch the slope from our driveway down towards the street. And before I could stop her, she picked up speed and rolled down the hill and across the road until she finally hit the curb on the far side of the road and flipped over. Now, now thankfully, no cars had come at that time, but Uh, And and aside from being scraped up, she was okay. But she learned a good lesson about how momentum can quickly take you where you don't want to go. And the thing about momentum is that it can take us places we never thought we'd get to. You know, negative spiritual momentum can take us places we never thought we'd end up in. 
but positive spiritual momentum can take us higher and further than we ever thought possible. And on the passage that we're looking at today, Peter doesn't use the term momentum, but the principle is really evident throughout this passage. So let's look at it again, starting in verse eight. He writes this, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Peter is talking about positive spiritual momentum here. He, he's saying the more you grow in your Christ likeness, the more fruitful you'll become. These two things, they feed off of each other and they create momentum. And I think this is so hopeful for us because, you know, we may look at our lives and think, oh, there's no way I'm ever going to be the kind of Christian that I want to be. Or we might look at others who are ahead of us in their faith and think, you know, I'm never going to get to where they are. I'm too messed up. I'll, I'll never be that disciplined. I'll never be that holy. Or we might think, you know, I'm never going to fulfill God's calling on my life because I've just got too many issues. But in my 35 years of following Jesus, I have learned this. Consistent little decisions to pursue God now results in a much bigger impact later. You know, it's like making a financial investment. A small amount of money invested in the right place at the right time can result in a big payout later. And, and this is another way of stating the law of sowing and reaping that is talked about in the scriptures. Um, one example of this would be Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. It says, you will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So just as the farmer sows, sows little seeds in the spring and then in the autumn gets a harvest that is ideally many times over what he sowed, the same is true for us spiritually. That consistent little decisions now to pursue God result in a much bigger impact later. But the challenge is that when you first start making those little decisions, it can be really hard. A lot of people, they encounter resistance when they first try to make a change in their lives. And, and then they, they, they try to, you know, then they'll often just quit and give up. But, but think of an airplane. You know, it uses a lot of energy and fuel on takeoff. But once it reaches its cruising altitude, it can fly much faster and much further uh, and, and much more efficiently. But the main challenge is just to get off the ground and get up to its cruising altitude. And, and it's the same in our faith. You know, it, it can be really difficult to make those little choices now. But if we do, we build a positive spiritual momentum that will take you places that you never thought possible. And that's what Peter's saying here. He's saying that the more you grow in your relationship with God, the more positive spiritual momentum you have and the more fruit you're going to bear. But what's he referring to when he says, the more that you grow like this? You know, this is what we looked at last week. You know, it's in, in the verses that immediately precede this one, Peter gives a list of virtues that show that we've become partakers in the divine nature, in God's divine nature. And he tells us to supplement our faith with a generous provision of moral excellence and knowledge and self-control and patient endurance and godliness and brotherly affection and love 
for everyone. And remember, Peter's point in listing out these traits is that our character should be transformed by our faith in God and our trust in his promises. Um, this is the fruit of knowing Jesus. You know, when, when we when we are being transformed by Jesus and, and we're learning to trust in his promises, the, the, the fruit of knowing Jesus is that he works in our lives and these virtues begin to emerge in us. So Peter is saying that the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you'll be in your knowledge. And, 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 the, more, and the more that these things are established in your character, the more fruitful we will become in our faith. Now, Peter uh, notice here that, that his expectation is not that we're living out the values perfectly right now, but that we're growing in those virtues. You know, as time goes on, we get better and better at living those out. That's, that's the goal. And Peter's expectation is that is one of growth. You know, you don't need to beat yourself up if, if you're not living this out perfectly right now or compare yourself to someone else all God expects of us is that we should be growing in these things. So when you read through that list of virtues, you can ask yourself, am I growing in these things or am I, you know, am I becoming more patient? Am I becoming more loving than I was at this time last year? That's really the measure. You're running your own race. It doesn't matter where other people are at. The question is, are you growing? But remember, the, chat, the, the, the tension here is that we can easily kind of think that this is just, you know, a gospel of being a better person or self-improvement. But Peter reminds us that all of this is the result of our knowledge of Jesus. And by knowledge, he's not talking about, um, he's not talking about academic knowledge. He's not talking about knowing about something like, you know, about the ozone layer or Winston Churchill he means experiential, relational knowledge, like the, the knowledge two close friends have of one another. You know, our relationship with Jesus is the source and the power in our faith. You know, it, our, our knowledge of Jesus, our connection with him, that is the source of transformation in us. And, and as we make the small choices to pursue Jesus, then his transformative power is unleashed in our lives. And we build this positive spiritual momentum that Peter's talking about. But then Peter shifts and he starts talking about what I would call negative spiritual momentum in verse nine. He says this, he says, but those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Peter is saying here that, that, that it's possible to become a Christian, but then fail to develop. And, and this is a terrifying possibility for him as a spiritual father. You know, you know think of a parent and their children. Um, you know, one of their great joys, one of the great joys of parenthood is seeing your children grow up and develop and mature. You know, for, for Lauren and I, it, it brought us great joy when our kids learned how to crawl and begin to explore their little world. But if all of my kids were still only able to crawl, you know, even though they're now much, much older, we would be deeply concerned and we would be seeing every specialist we could find to diagnose and treat whatever problem is hindering their development. So just as there's an expectation for us to grow and mature physically, mentally, uh, emotionally, uh, there's also an expectation for us to grow and mature spiritually. 
And I think God is com- more committed to maturing us. And uh, I-, I think God's more committed to maturing us spiritually than he is committed to our comfort and happiness. And when I look back on some of my most painful moments in life, I can see that God was using that discomfort and pain to cause me to grow and mature, whether I wanted to or not. But notice here why he says people fail to develop spiritually. He says that they're short-sighted or blind. And I love that word picture because, you know, think about it, what does it mean to be short-sighted? Well, I have firsthand experience with this because I was actually really short-sighted at one point in my life. Um, when I was in my, my mid-20s, my eyesight deteriorated to the point where I had to start wearing glasses. And most of you have never seen me wearing glasses. So here's a picture of me uh, holding my firstborn daughter, Wesley, um, and wearing these amazing glasses. And um, the the problem was, if I wasn't wearing glasses, as you can imagine, I, I could only see what was right in front of me. You know, I couldn't see anything far away. So shortly before we moved to the UK, I had LASIK surgery. And I'll never forget the next morning when I woke up and looked outside and for the first time in years, I could see individual leaves on the trees in the distance. Whereas before, you know, if I looked out and looked at the same scene, I only would have seen a green blur where the leaves on the trees were. So, you know, I'm so thankful that I'm no longer short-sighted. But Peter's using short-sightedness as a metaphor of what can happen to us spiritually. And And he's warning us about the danger of only focusing on the here and now. And I think we can become short-sighted in two ways. And Peter highlights one of them right in this verse. He, he says that people become short-sighted when they forget that they have been cleansed from their old sins. In other words, not only do they forget what Jesus had done for them on the cross, but they fail to remember that they have a new identity now as a follower of Jesus, that they, they forget they're no longer whatever they were before, but now they are pure and holy in God's sight. They've forgotten why they became a Christian in the first place. And this is why it's so important for us to remember what God has done for us. I mean, one of the best weapons we have in our arsenal against discouragement, despair, and unbelief is to remember what God's done for you. I mean, there have been times when I have felt weary spiritually, you know, especially over this past year. And and I just want to give in to discouragement in those moments. But then I remember God's faithfulness to me. I remember the ways I've encountered him over the years. And it's not just, and I remember what Jesus did for me on the cross. And, and, and as I remember those moments, as I remember God's faithfulness to me, that's been demonstrated over and over again, it stirs faith in my heart. Faith just begins to rise up in me. So when you're struggling You know, don't be short-sighted by only looking at your current circumstances. Look back at your history with God and remember his faithfulness to you over the years. But I actually think short-sightedness affects us in another way as well. I think uh, another way that we can be short-sighted is that we forget our future. So Peter actually reminds us of our ultimate destiny in verse 11. He says, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Peter is reminding us that that one day our faith will become sight. One day we'll step out of this broken world and we'll step into heaven. 
one day we're going to meet Jesus face to face and look into his eyes and say, thank you. One day, all the pain, all the disappointment, all the loss and grief of this world will be wiped away. And we'll be able to experience life the way God always intended it to be. Heaven is our true home. And as Peter says elsewhere, he says, we're just strangers and sojourners in this world. And, and it's something that, so, so heaven is something that we should dream about. It's something we should look forward to. It's something we should anticipate. It's something we should use our, our sanctified imaginations to, to just wonder and think about it and, and anticipate what it's going to be like. But in my experience, whenever I talk about heaven, it seems like most people just kind of tend to check out. I, I think it's just, it seems so remote. Heaven just seems so remote and far away that it just seems irrelevant. But having an eternal mindset is crucial for living the Christian life. You know, heaven was something that motivated Jesus to endure the torture of the cross. It says in Hebrews 12 that, that because of the joy awaiting him, Jesus, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. And, and so what's he talking about there? What's the joy that awaited him? It's the joy of heaven. It's the joy of eternity with his father. It's the joy of all the good that was, would result from his suffering on the cross. And that motivated him in the midst of the greatest crisis he'd ever known. And we're no different. Heaven is an inspiration. It's a motivation. That, that, that It's something that gives us hope when it seems like all hope is lost. But the difficulty we face in our culture is that is that it doesn't provide or cult cultivate this mindset of delayed gratification in us. You know, the unfortunate byproduct of living in such an advanced culture is that we have an expectation of instant gratification. I mean, we don't have to wait for much these days. And as a result, you know, we're unaccustomed to delaying gratification for the future. But living for eternity, having that eternal mindset is essential for the Christian life. So all, all I know to do is, is just to ask God, Lord, help us, train us to, and renew our minds to have that eternal mindset, to, to, be, to keep our eyes fixed on the things of heaven rather than transfixed by the things of earth. So Peter's saying that people fail to develop in their faith because they're short-sighted. And that's either because they've forgotten what God's done for them in the past, or they've forgotten what awaits them in the future. So then in light of all this, he gives this strong exhortation in verse 10. He says, so dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things and you will never fall away. Now hear me, the, the last thing I want you to do when, uh, when I read this, when, I, when this verse is read is, is to think that Peter's encouraging us to strive and perform and compare ourselves to one another. And, and that's, phrase work hard there may not be the best translation. I mean, another way of saying it would be that he's saying, apply yourself to this. You know, remember the analogy that we used last week of the poor student who was unable to afford university, but then gets his tuition paid for by a generous benefactor. You know, that, that act of paying for uni is an act of grace that made it possible for the student to attend uni. But once he was there, it was up to him to apply himself in order to make the most of it. 
it was his choice whether or not he wanted to slack off and sleep through his classes and party away his time at university or whether he wanted to to make the most of his time there to to really give it everything he had to learn everything they could teach him so what peter is saying here is he's saying hey apply yourself to these things take responsibility for your spiritual life don't be passive about it be intentional make the little choices that create a positive spiritual momentum in your life. And if you see an area of your life that's falling short of what it should be, then don't just ignore it. Don't, don't be passive about it. Don't just shrug your shoulders, but, but talk to God about it. Invite him in to help you change. Like be proactive in addressing those things. That's what Peter's encouraging us to do because those small steps that you take now will produce, as I said earlier, the, the big results over time. But don't miss that last phrase that he says there. He says, do these things and you will never fall away. And I think this is Peter's worst fear, that these believers would somehow fall away from their faith. Now, I don't think Peter's talking about losing your salvation here, but, but I do think it's about Christians winding up in terrible places in life because they failed to be intentional about their, spiritual, about their walk with God. Um, you know, there have been some scandals recently involving pastors who I think really deep down probably really love God, but, but they've made some pretty horrible choices. Well, how did they get there? How did they wind up in this really in this scandalous place? Again, I think it's the principle of momentum. And, and just as it can work in your favor when you make positive choices towards God, it can work against you when you make choices to disobey God. You know, when people make small choices or make little compromises or ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit, it creates this negative momentum that can quickly take you where you don't want to go. And before you know it, you know, like the prodigal son that Jesus talked about, you, you find yourself out feeding the pigs. You find yourself in a place you don't want to be in. You've fallen away from God. So, so Peter's saying here, pay attention. He's saying, be intentional. Choose to make the little steps towards God. Build that positive spiritual momentum in your life. So let me close with this. You know, my observation is that most people feel stuck in their spiritual life. But actually, you're not really stuck. You're, what's happening is you're slowly getting pulled away from God. You may not notice it, but you're getting pulled away from him, just like a tide can kind of pull you away from the shore uh, and you, you not even realize that it's happening. If you're in that place today, if you're feeling stuck, I, I want to suggest that the way that you need to respond to Peter's challenge is to ask yourself, what is distracting or hindering me from God right now? What is it that's distracting me or hindering me? You know, what's getting in the way? Is, is it busyness? Is it entertainment? Is it work? Is it your phone? Is it an app? Is it a relationship? Is it an addiction? Is it a sin of some sort? Be honest with yourself. Ask yourself, what is hindering me, really? And then once you've identified it, I want to encourage you to take a step of obedience to address it. And it may be just a small step that you need to take, or it may need to be a radical act of obedience. You know, many of us do this kind of thing every year when, uh, with our diet after the holidays. We realize that our eating habits have gotten out of, out of uh out of order. And if we continue to eat like that, it's not going to be good for our long-term health. So we go on some sort of diet. Well, 
my challenge to you is why not apply that same principle to your spiritual life? You know, if you're feeling stuck today, why not apply that same principle? Maybe you need to go on some sort of fast. Maybe you need to open up to someone about what you're struggling with. Maybe you need to go see a counselor. Maybe you need to change your schedule. Maybe you need to delete an app on your phone, or maybe you just need to get rid of your phone altogether for a while. And I know that might sound unthinkable, right? I mean, who gets rid of their phone in this day and age? But but let me remind you of what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Now, we don't put that verse on too many inspirational posters, do we? (laughs) Now, I want you to understand, of course, Jesus isn't being literal here. Please don't go dismember yourself today. But, But he is saying sometimes we have to take radical steps. And for some of us, getting rid of the things that are hindering us are, it's going to feel about as painful as cutting off your hand for a while. You know, getting rid of uh, something you're addicted to, like your phone or, or, or something like that, it, it might feel as painful as dismembering part of your body. But let me just wrap up with this. Even though those, those steps of radical obedience feel difficult at first, even though those steps, those small steps of obedience feel difficult at first, it won't always be that way. Remember that airplane. It, it was difficult when it when it takes off. Most of its energy and fuel gets used in that and climbing to a cruising altitude. But once it's there, it's able to go further and faster and far more efficiently than it would uh, when it's on the ground. And so, as you make those little decisions to follow Jesus, or as you make those radical steps of obedience to realign your life with Him, you build a positive spiritual momentum that will take you where deep down you've always wanted to go. So let me pray for you. Jesus, we look to you today and our desire is to be fruitful in our faith. We don't want to wander or drift away from you. Help us, Lord, not to be short-sighted. Help us to live for eternity, God. Help us to, to not just look at what satisfies us in the moment, but help us to remember what you've done for us in the past and anticipate what awaits us in the future and help us to make the little choices or take the radical steps to sacrifice the short-term pleasure that we might want and and develop a, a positive spiritual momentum towards you that cannot be stopped. Help us with this, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening today. To listen to more messages like this one, head to our website at antiochsheffield.org.uk forward slash podcast. We are looking forward to seeing you soon.